0: it's tech biter worldwide i'm bill Blynn with an hour's worth of technology news in about 20 minutes that's because we leave out the sports most of the jingles the weather and the commercials podcast number 383 for march 9th 2014 this week, Thumbs Plus, one of my longtime favorites, stumbled with its previous release, but it's back on track with version 9. Telephone companies have done little to oppose national security agency spying so far, but that seems to be changing. In short circuits, Facebook has acquired a company that's planning to manufacture drones, Yahoo says users will soon be required to have Yahoo accounts instead of using Google or Facebook credentials to log on. And Firefox's market share is down a fraction of a percent, but that's enough to put it at a five-year low. Have you been overwhelmed by digital photographs? Are you unable to find the picture you want when you need it? Maybe you need an image organizer, such as Thumbs Plus, but when you visit the big shareware download sites that allow user reviews, you read a lot about how Thumbs Plus used to be a great program with good support. The consensus is that this is no longer the case. But maybe it is time to give version 9 a try. Version 8 certainly had more than its share of bugs, because it represented a major change in the way the underlying framework did things. It was an ambitious change, perhaps too ambitious for a shop with a very small staff of developers. Serious Software may have just a single developer. I'm not sure about that. This is guesswork on my part. But it might be that the combined effect of a small number of people available to support the application and a vastly increased number of bugs simply overwhelmed the company and led to complaints about a lack of support. Sirius seems to have clawed its way back with version 9. Most of the bugs are gone. The program is working well, and it is a valuable tool for organizing photos and making certain kinds of modifications. It is clearly not Photoshop. It is not Lightroom. And among the programs that might be considered competitors, there are free applications such as Google's Picasa, Faststone, and IrfanView. More than anything else, Thumbs Plus is an application that makes it easy to view virtually any type of graphic file, including most of the camera RAW formats. Another key feature is the application's organizational tools. Thumbs Plus uses an ODBC database. ODBC is an initialism for Open Database Connectivity. ODBC is what provides the Middleware Application Programming Interface, or API, for accessing database management systems. ODBC, even though it was designed by Microsoft, is intended to be independent of database systems and operating systems. So what this means is that an application written using ODBC can be ported to other operating systems without major changes in the code. During installation, the user is offered the option of a single database for all computer users or individual databases for each user. A single combined database is the better choice for most people. Thumbs Plus provides a thumbnail view that makes organization easy and simplifies the process of identifying duplicate images. The program has limited editing capabilities, but the editing functions that are present are the ones that most people need. Cropping, trimming, resizing, and color correction. The display includes information about color channels and other details, so you can see at a glance why an off-color photograph is off-color. Thumbs Plus includes some features that you might not expect to find in a program at this application's price. The price, by the way, is 40 bucks for the basic version, $100 for a Pro version, and updates to the two versions are set at $20 and $40, respectively. What you'll find in the program include these. The ability to assign color profiles to scanners and to digital cameras. Handling of the alpha channel in 24 and 48-bit images. The alpha channel is what's used for transparency effects. Although Thumbs Plus isn't Photoshop, it does include several filters that can be used to modify the appearance of an image. You also have the ability to modify image resolution during a resize operation. Exchange image file, or EXIF, information can be extracted automatically and stored in user fields, and up to nine of those user fields can be displayed in the thumbnail view. The exit data contains information about the ISO speed used by the camera, the lens length, the aperture, whether the flash fired, and more. And there's also the ability to generate web pages of thumbnail images, so that each thumbnail image links directly to the full-size image or to a pop-up window powered by JavaScript. And there is a third option that links the thumbnail to an individual page for each image. When you open Thumbs Plus, the default view includes a list of directories on the left, a preview pane below that, thumbnails pane in the center, a pane that displays metadata for the selected image at the top right, and a panel that shows any tasks that are in process, such as scanning a directory tree for new images. That's over in the bottom right corner. One of the most frustrating features of Thumbs Plus is the unfortunate all-too-easy opportunity for the user to accidentally grab one of the panels and drag it out of place. The result is a floating panel. Now, it should be easy to move the panel back into place. I haven't found that to be the case, though, and apparently I'm not alone. But the problem can be resolved quickly and easily because the program does have a built-in option to restore the default interface. Now, I'd like to see a feature added so that users can define their own specific panel arrangements name those configurations, save them, and then pull them up to use at any time. After all, the view that you might want when you're looking at photographs could be significantly different from what you'd want if you were looking at some other kinds of graphics. Thumbs Plus is a champ when it comes to some quick processing and batch processing functions. Quick Convert allows one-click conversions to a lot of standard formats such as the Windows BMP format Windows Metafile or WMF, GIF, JPEG, and ICON files, ICOs. Now oddly, there's no option for a quick conversion to PING, Portable Network Graphics, one of the more common file formats you'll find on the web. You can do it, but to do it, you have to open the file and then choose Save As from the file menu. If you've worked with JPEG files for very long, you know that they get worse every time you open them, do something to them, and then save them. That's because the process of saving a JPEG applies additional compression. And it's why work files should always be either native camera RAW files, or files that have been converted to PNG or TIFF. Sometimes, though, the only change you want to make is to rotate the image 90 degrees left or right, or 180 degrees to invert it. As with most modern applications, Thumbs Plus makes it possible to change the image's orientation without having to rewrite the file, so no additional compression is added. You can also change the file's date and time, the timestamp in other words, or even the color space. I've mentioned Camera Raw files a few times. Thumbs Plus is supposed to be able to handle Camera Raw files, but initially it didn't. What I found is that's because the Camera Raw conversion plugin is separate from the main program. You don't get it unless you ask for it. There's no charge, but you do need to download it and install it. Once you have the Camera Raw plugin installed, everything's fine. You'll find it when you download the application. It's on the same page as Thumbs Plus, but it's over on the right-hand side. If you download it to try it out, make sure you get both pieces. The current version was released in 2013, and there have been several updates issued since then, the most recent in February. The release notes for this update... Describe some of the corrections and enhancements. A warning has been added if the user attempts to save an XMP metadata file with a file type that doesn't support XMP. In plain English, that says that you can't save a sidecar file with files that don't support sidecars. A sidecar file is usually saved with a Camera Raw file. It saves information about the processing that the user has applied to the file. If you save an XMP file with a JPEG, for example, it's meaningless, so now the program doesn't allow you to do that. There have been some problems with previous program updates deleting the user's configurations and settings. That's a bad thing to have happen. The current version improves handling of files that control these settings to avoid the problem in future releases, and the program installer now puts the all users shortcut in the correct folder. This also fixes a can't-remove shortcut error during uninstall. Now, I mention that not because it's something that most people need to know about, but because it illustrates how incremental improvements are made. Development, after all, is an iterative process. Sometimes this is a lot easier to see in a small shop like Sirius. The bottom line for Sirius, Thumbs Plus 9, 4 cats. Thumbs Plus has definitely improved, still has a little way to go. Thumbs Plus is one of those applications I have appreciated for well more than a decade. At one time, it was a leader in features and usability. Ambitious improvements ended up creating more bugs than features in version 8, but now version 9 has eliminated the worst of the bugs and allowed the new features to shine through. You'll find additional details on the Sirius software website. There's a link from the TechBiter Worldwide website. Telephone companies have generally complied with the National Security Agency in turning over information they're asked for, even without a court order. Doing so, in fact, can be a profit center for the companies because they bill the feds for the work. Last year, when companies such as Google, Apple, and Microsoft reacted angrily to reports that the NSA had been intercepting their users' data, the phone companies were silent. But that seems to be changing. Organizations such as Google and Yahoo generally approve requests for information about specific individuals, but they have opposed the bulk collection of data. Telephone companies have been around a lot longer, and they remember times when civil liberties were largely ignored. The Supreme Court says corporations are people, so I say corporations can have memories. During and after World War II, Western Union, by that time it was a subsidiary of American Telephone and Telegraph, Western Union simply handed over copies of all international telegrams originating in the United States. That program, called Project Shamrock, continued all the way into the 1970s. So it probably seemed natural for telephone companies to welcome government agencies into their buildings for wiretap operations, authorized or not. And Congress, in 1994, even passed legislation that required telephone companies to construct their networks in a way that allowed investigators to monitor calls as they were happening. And no, what I'm describing here isn't the Stasi in the German Democratic Republic. It's the Federal Bureau of Investigation in the United States of America. Last year's revelations by former NSA contractor Edward Snowden seem to have changed a few minds within the telephone industry. That, and possibly a proposal by the Obama administration to save the NSA spying program. The administration wants to continue the bulk collection of data, but instead of turning the data over to the government, the administration says the telephone companies should simply store it and make it available to the government on request. Telephone company executives don't like that plan, perhaps in no small part because of the costs of implementing the plan, and the pesky thought that they and their companies might have to defend themselves in court against lawsuits. There may even be some concern about what would happen if a hacker managed to compromise those monstrously large data stores. This plan would give private businesses the right and, in fact, the duty to collect and store every telephone call made by everyone. Nothing could possibly go wrong with that plan, now could it? On a vaguely related note, Verizon General Counsel Randall Milch writes a corporate blog in which he maintains that officials can request information only when it is physically stored within the United States. He says that Verizon would challenge requests for data stored elsewhere. So it's okay to turn over information about U.S. citizens, but foreigners, oh, they're off-limits. With a few more friends like that, we might as well just publish everything on Facebook. In short circuits, unlike Amazon, which flogged a drone delivery story at the beginning of the Christmas shopping season, mainly for the publicity the stunt would garner, Facebook has a plan involving drones that might actually be beneficial. Facebook is reportedly talking to Titan Aerospace, a company that makes solar-powered drones, or plans to. What, you might ask, does Facebook want to deliver with a fleet of drones? The plan is to deliver The Internet. As Facebook acquisitions go, this one could probably be funded with Mark Zuckerberg's pocket lint. Not even the change, just $60 million. Yes, that's an M and not a B. Remember when $60 million was real money? Well, that's the number being cited by TechCrunch and by CNBC. Facebook refuses to comment on the rumors because Facebook does not comment on rumors. Facebook users, on the other hand, do comment on rumors. Sometimes it seems that that's all they comment on. But the rumors make sense. Mark Zuckerberg's Internet.org project has, as one of its primary goals, finding a way to make the Internet available to people who currently are not online. Despite the apparent ubiquity of the Internet, 5 billion of the planet's 7 billion people are not online. Facebook is partnering with Nokia, Qualcomm, and Samsung in the Internet.org project. But why Titan? Titan's solar-powered drones fly at extremely high altitudes, and because they're powered by solar energy, they stay aloft for a long time. And by a long time here, I mean five years. Think of these as high-flying wireless access points. Titan's drones still haven't gotten off the ground, literally or commercially. They're still in development. If all this sounds vaguely familiar... It might be because Google has a similar plan called Project Loon. No, I'm not kidding. Google actually does call it Project Loon. And Google proposes using what are essentially big weather balloons to provide high-flying wireless access points. Last year, Facebook acquired another company that will help Internet.org achieve its goals. Onavo creates data compression technology that makes faster communications possible on slow networks, such as those found in developing countries and in some parts of the United States. Now, how important these drones might be is open to some debate. Even Zuckerberg notes that most people, probably 80% of the people on Earth, live where they have access to at least 2G or 3G cellular signals. Yahoo currently accepts both Google credentials and Facebook credentials when users log on to Yahoo services, but that's about to end. Yahoo has announced that you'll soon need Yahoo credentials to log on to Yahoo services. The first target is the services college basketball fantasy game called Yahoo Sports Tourney Pick'em. Many users have simply taken the easy route so far using their existing Facebook or Google credentials, but that has had the effect of depressing the number of Yahoo accounts. Whether that's what's driving the change isn't clear. Yahoo says those who create an account will have a better experience because the service will be able to personalize what they see. To personalize the experience, of course, Yahoo will need to collect information about users. It's likely that this is mainly about market share and branding. Marissa Meyer is a very sharp CEO who understands that identity is important and that increasing mind share among users is critical. After all, if you can use your Google credentials to connect to Yahoo, why would you even think about Yahoo? I'm hoping that this will work to improve Yahoo's identity and its visibility. I have certainly been critical of Yahoo many times in the past when the company seems to have converted clear victories into abject failures, but it's important for competition to exist in the online world. So, if you don't yet have a Yahoo account, maybe it's time to get one. Follow the link on the TechBiter Worldwide website. down with Mozilla Firefox. Users, apparently. NetApplications, company that collects usage information from millions of websites, says that Firefox usage is at a five-year low, and Chrome seems to be picking up the slack. The big three are now Internet Explorer. That would be version 11 with Windows 8.1, or version 10 with earlier versions of Windows, Google Chrome version 33, and Mozilla Firefox version 27. Or at least that was the case when I recorded the program late on Friday. You never know, these things change pretty quickly. Because it's installed with Windows, Internet Explorer continues to account for more than half of the browsers in use, slightly more than 58%. Firefox and Chrome are virtually tied, and Firefox is still slightly ahead, but it's not going to be for long if the trend continues. Firefox fell to 17.7 percent. Chrome increased its share to 16.8 percent. How about the others? Well, there's Apple's Safari, 5.7 percent, and Opera, 1.2 percent. Internet Explorer has generally been increasing since 2012. That's when usage dropped to 51 percent, and that's the lowest that IE has dropped in recent history. If you'd like to see the full report, it's on the Net Applications website. You'll find a link on the TechBiter Worldwide website. Thanks for listening to TechBiter Worldwide, the weekly podcast with an hour's worth of technology news in about 20 minutes. All music on TechBiter Worldwide is licensed under the Creative Commons. And information about performers is on the website, www.techbiter.com. I'm Bill Blynn, and if you'd like, you can also send me a message from the website. Thanks for listening. I look forward to talking with you again in a week.